Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast, where you will get tips to expand your legal nurse consulting skills. Every week, you'll hear from experts from within and outside of legal nurse consulting. They will share their knowledge to help you grow. Your show is moderated by Pat Iyer, a legal nurse consultant with 30 years experience. So join our community, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Here's Pat. Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast. I'm Pat Iyer, and our guest today is Denisha Thurman, who has experience as a legal nurse consultant and is based in Las Vegas. She has a master's degree. She's a certified legal nurse consultant, and she's got a background working in med surge, telemetry, skilled nursing, ICU, and post-anesthesia care. That's quite a few areas that you've covered, Denisha. Yes. Thank you for having me, Pat. And another thing that you noted in your background, which you shared with me, is that you have experience as an EPIC trainer helping legal nurse consultants become acclimated to that EMR, electronic medical record system. Yeah. Let's talk about how you entered this field and what about legal nurse consulting appealed to you as you were finding out more about what legal nurse consultants do. Yeah, of course. So legal nurse consulting was actually brought to my attention as a new nurse, uh, like three months outside of my nursing program. Um, I didn't really follow much into it, but uh, one of the nurses um, like highly encouraged me to do so. And then it was brought up again to me um, in 2018 when I was doing travel nursing and right during the pandemic. Uh, so a few things, the reasons why I decided to do it. Uh, it was just a couple of reasons. Um, one, I get to help patients and their family members away from the bedside. Um, and even at the discharge and treatment, um, our healthcare system isn't quite fully set up where we can fully protect the patients from injury at all times. Uh, so with patients say through the injuries that occur, it's nice to be an advocate for them on their behalf, especially when they don't really know uh, how what questions to ask and how to navigate things. So this is actually pretty cool. Um, and then secondly, I would have to say uh, having autonomy, uh, complete autonomy of my professional and personal life uh, has really been a great benefit. When you talk about autonomy, what does that mean for you in your daily life? Uh, complete control to control my schedules. Uh, so if I want to schedule uh, to get back to the gym and start getting more healthy, um, working out, I can schedule a workout session um, or a class at 9.30 a.m. or versus 12 p.m. on certain days when I'm having a busier day uh, to schedule vacations without having to wait for approval. Uh, and for uh, abbreviated time, I know sometimes when you're on the floor, you can only get a certain amount of days for, especially in the high um, areas, high traction areas and the holidays and things of that nature or summer times too. So having that complete autonomy to travel, to take on courses or classes, work out whenever I want to and still fit in my actual work to do is actually is what I love the most about it. Mm-hmm. Do you maintain a clinical role right now? Uh, yes. 
kind of, sort of. I've been a travel nurse for the past five years. So since 2018, I started doing PACU travel nursing. Uh, and when I first started doing travel nursing, um, I was literally taking assignments back to back. I'll just take a week off in between or two weeks off for the holidays. And that was pretty much it. Uh, so it was just around the clock working. Um, now that I'm actually setting up my business and switching gears to have my business be the primary um, focus for me, I do a lot less travel assignments. Um, so maybe one or two uh, a year to keep me mm -hmm. one with um, the nursing skills and my knowledge and things of that nature, but also to, uh, to help me meet people, network and get out of the house. Mm-hmm. And for those uh, listeners who are not familiar with travel nursing, can you explain what that term means? Yeah. So when there's a need in the hospital, when the unit is short staff, we'll just say pack you because that's what I do, uh, especially around the summertime or even the holidays, people are taking vacation like we spoke of before, uh, and um, they can't give that actual um, job away. They'll have someone come in temporary to fill that need. So usually travel contracts are about 13 weeks total. Um, you get the opportunity to extend if you would like, um, if you, if they think you're a good fit and you think you're a good fit to the unit. Uh, and then you go in temporary to help out. You do uh, everything you would do as a nurse. You do get abbreviated training, so you do have to have a, a solid foundation of nursing and your skill set because they're only going to give you maybe one to four days at the most of training and then you're on your own. So you and that does include HR training, too. So you have to be able to catch on pretty quickly and do well mm -hmm. um, in that aspect. Um, but you're going in to fill a need to help out uh, in the unit and things of that nature for me, uh, because it's PACU, we do have call and those type of rotations too. So those things also are taken into uh, account. One thing I like about travel nurse, and I've been doing it for so long, is you do have a little bit more sense of your actual um, life too. To a certain extent, um, I can like pick and choose what months I want to work. Um, if I have a vacation coming up, I'll just say I'm not going to take a contract before then, or I'll just put that in my contract let them know that I'm not available during those days. Um, it's becoming more and more restrictive now. Uh, so that is another thing to look into too when you're doing a travel nursing too. Restrictive in terms of being able to define when you're available? Is that what you mean? Yeah. So they're cracking down on the amount of days you can take off during a travel assignment, which, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense to a certain extent because, um, I mean, you're there to help fill a need, to help them out um, out of a crunch and, um short staffing. Um, so if you're doing a 13 week assignment, but you're requesting two weeks off, uh, they, they usually will refuse you your application for that unit. So you just mm -hmm. gotta, most agencies nowadays do five days to 13 weeks. Five days off or five days of vacation time in 13 weeks. Yes. It couldn't be five days off. Otherwise, you'd be working seven days a week. Exactly. That would be terrible, right? <laughs> so That would be challenging. Yeah. All right. I got it. And what kinds of places have you worked as a travel nurse? Mostly California. Uh, um, I'm originally from Chicago. So when I left in 2018, I was completely over the snow and the winters. Um, so I was looking to go to a warmer climate and I was actually looking to relocate to California, uh, San Diego mm -hmm. area. 
So um, I actually took a, I've done most of my contracts in California um, just to see if I wanted to relocate there. Um, unfortunately, I did not, um, but I've done um, San Jose. I was in Napa for nine months, which is really cool. Uh, L.A. for nine months, which was really cool. I was in L.A. during the pandemic. Um, I've been to uh, Fresno. Um, I've been to Port Angeles in Washington, which is really nice. Um, I got to go to Seattle a couple of days and go to Vic um, take the ferry over to British of Columbia for Victoria. Uh, to do some um, unwinding there. Uh, took a contract here in Vegas, um, Santa Clara, California. I've been there. So quite a few mm -hmm. in California. Yes, it sounds like you've been to several places in California, several completely different places from each other as well. Yeah. So I'm in the second area, like um, San Jose and Santa Clara is pretty close together and uh, Long mm -hmm. Beach and um, LA were kind of close. So it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Still try to get to San Diego and um, Hawaii, but those are more competitive. So. I would imagine they would be. Those are considered <laughs> to be highly desirable places. Especially Hawaii. I would love to go there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned you found out about legal nurse consulting shortly after you entered nursing school and then again in 2018 and during the pandemic, and now it's come up for you. You've gotten your first case. We talked about as we were planning this podcast, many listeners are intensely curious. How did you get your first case? That's a question that I get asked frequently, or how can I get my first case? Tell us about how that evolved for you. Sure. Yeah, that was actually my number one case um, question, too, and my number one um, um, where my nerves went to the most. Uh, for me, I got my first two uh, paid customers, right, a client, excuse me, uh, right around the same time. Um, I got my first locating expert witness service uh, through BNI networking organization. Um, I went through the organization organization directory and uh, did some co-emails to the personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys. Uh, one attorney in particular uh, responded right away. She was very nice and very willing to meet with me uh, so that we can learn more about each other. Uh, it just took a while to get uh, an appointment on the books with her because we she was so busy, um, but we were finally able to set up a Zoom call and get to know each other one-to-one uh, -one. and then um, I didn't hear much from her afterwards for a few months um, and then I was in Long Beach uh, on an assignment when I sent out um, some offer emails for new clients um, a new client discount for a case screen a case review and report and she responded mm -hmm. to me and asked me if I can assist her with finding a physician uh, located physician expert witness so it took about a uh, to actually close her as a client, I think we met online and our, I initially emailed her back in February. We were able to set up a Zoom in May and then um, she, I signed her as a client in July. So it took about five months to close her. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is an important point if you are a person who wants results immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's kind of me. I'm actually with uh, with my business. I'm learning um, that 
those results are not going to happen right away. I'm so used to, um, you know, doing stuff and getting results right away <laughs> and seeing it. Um, but with the analysis business, you don't see it right away. Uh, it does take time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned BNI a few minutes ago, and I wanted to make sure that we defined that group, what those initials stand for, and explain it to people who listen to this podcast who are not familiar with BNI. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it's a, a business networking international organization. So it is a, a organization built on business professionals who uh, are promoting their business, but also promoting, helping to promote others. So uh, we utilize uh, our, our business through referrals and get uh, a concept called giver's gain, which means that if I give you a referral for your business and help bring in business and um revenue to your business, you'll help me bring it into my business. Uh, and so we do that uh, based on those referrals and we help each other out. And you're the second person I've talked to just in the last couple of weeks who had success with BNI with somebody who was a member of BNI who met an attorney. And that attorney said, I'm so busy, I'm so overwhelmed, I have all these medical cases. And he said, yes, there's a nurse that I work with. And BNI, who helps attorneys with just those issues, mm -hmm. she went in thinking that he was going to want her to educate the staff, and she brought cookies and was planning to feed everybody, and he said, no, come in here in my office. I've got this stack of medical records. I want you to help me, and oh. she walked out with the case without even having the chance to educate them, but he said, oh, that, uh, this is what I need. Help me right away. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. She's one of my coaching clients in my LNC elite coaching program. We've been talking about various ways of connecting with attorneys. It sounds like the first attorney came through this referral with somebody with BNI. And then the second one was as a result of you reaching okay. out to attorneys. Before we continue with the show, I'd like to share this special announcement with you. How do you create irresistible opt-in offers? Turn visitors into loyal customers. Give them something valuable enough that they will give you their email address. This is called an opt-in offer. Successful entrepreneurs have learned that the best opt-in offers address a prospect's pain points and present solutions. They demonstrate that you understand the potential client or customer's problems and have the expertise to solve them. I'm Pat Iyer, the author of Creating Irresistible LNC Opt-in Offers, and I owe much of my success in building a multi-million dollar business to my popular opt-in offers. I wrote this book because I see so many LNC websites that lack an opt-in offer and therefore waste the opportunity to develop a list of interested attorney clients. I've also seen vague or unappealing offers that make me wonder why should I provide my name and email address. Creating irresistible LNC opt-in offers provides detailed step-by-step -step instructions to help you write a compelling opt-in offer. It further helps you set up a fully automated marketing system for your business. You will have identified and analyzed the characteristics of your ideal client. Most importantly, 
you will have the tools to attract these prospects and turn them into paying clients. Order your book today. Now let's return to the show. I did a sponsorship here at the local um, Clark County Bar Association. I sponsored a luncheon um, mm -hmm. for um, they were promoting our um, a, a hockey team because um, they're they won and they I think last year I don't follow hockey I did not mention that doing a sponsorship because I didn't want anyone <laughs> <laughs> to, to say anything to me everyone came in in their uh their jerseys and things uh but they were sponsoring him he was uh the the lead uh. He's in the corporate office part of it, and he's also an attorney. So he was talking about building a brand and building a success, and they gave us, you sponsor it, so you get a, a, a three-minute speech, USP speech. So I gave that, introduced myself in my business, and passed out some business cards, and one of the attorneys there uh, went to my website and uh, emailed me within the next week or so. so nice. That was yeah. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. It was a good way to meet people. And I actually met a, a, a number of attorneys um, from all different specialties within the Las Vegas area. So that was pretty nice. And the food was great too. So that's always a good thing. <laughs> I see. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that it satisfied you both physically and psychologically and financially to go to that event. Yeah. <laughs> and then the first case you mentioned was finding a physician expert and what about the second attorney, the one that you met through the Bar Association? What was that person interested in? Uh, that is, uh, that's the case grade. So I'm screening the case for merit. I'll give them a report. I'm actually finishing it up now, uh, which mm -hmm. is great. Uh, and it's just a merit review for a medical malpractice case here in Vegas. All right. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. When we talked initially, we talked about the fact that you were getting ready to exhibit at an attorney conference, and you just mentioned exhibiting at a bar association meeting. Can you tell our listener a little bit about what goes into the decision on what show to pick to go to to meet attorneys? Yeah. Uh, first and foremost is the research part of it. Um, this year was my first year exhibiting and giving speeches. Um, so I was very nervous and I still get very nervous because I just, I'm just, I get nervous when it calls me networking and meeting new people that I'm not familiar with. Um, but research is definitely one of them for me particular. I wanted to stay closer to home just so I didn't incur additional costs uh, of travel, flight and hotel and those type of expenses. Uh, so I did a re I did an online search for um, conferences that involved attorneys that was coming into uh, Vegas. Um, the first one I did was a criminal defense one, and I really didn't do a lot of research to it because it was my very first one, um, and the price was it seemed reasonable, a thousand bucks, so it was pretty reasonable in my opinion, especially what I've heard about how costly they can get. Uh, so I did that one, uh, but it was, like I said, credible law. So it was a lot of um, um, defense attorneys and uh, public uh, public office attorneys and those mm -hmm. type of uh, public defenders, excuse me, uh, and that, that nature. So uh, 
while there, I realized that that probably wasn't my ideal clientele. That wasn't my ideal uh, conference that I should be at because I'm critical care type of surgical things of nature, personal injury. Uh, there's a lot of need and res uh, resources and benefits to have an LNC in those cases. Uh, I did do uh, one of the things I offer is a case screen. So I did I get a case screen from that um, conference with an attorney. Uh, but research is probably the most important part. You got to make sure that you have uh, you getting your ideal clientele, whether it's personal injury, medical malpractice. If you're ER sane nurse, that is the perfect conference for you to go to because those are the that's what those attorneys are looking for at those mm -hmm. those companies. um and then um like I said I'll wait and it calls a lot of them um it, it does add up pretty quickly the second conference I just did um back in October was the Mass Tours Made Perfect conference and there's a lot of PI attorneys and paralegals there uh that one itself is very pricey. So you have to uh, really weigh, you know, the benefit and the cost of going and things of that nature and landing a client um, from the conferences. And that's another case where, in my experience, exhibiting for dozens of years, I would always get pulled into, wow, I want to walk out of the conference with two cases under my arm so that I can pack them in my car and along with all my exhibiting things. And it can take a while to get to know the attorneys, for them to trust you, that you're going to keep showing up, that you're going to be able to help them. And it is a significant investment to go. Yes, I agree. Um, actually, um, a lot of the attorneys, they'll come up to you and say, oh, I have this case. Do you think you can help me out with this? And you're like, oh, yeah, and I'll write down the information so that I know to follow up with them regarding that case. But like you mm -hmm. said, even though they met you, I don't. They really don't know or trust you all that well. So, in my experiences, you don't get those cases right away. Uh, they may go over things with you, and you can reiterate things when you speak with them. Uh, but it takes a couple follow ups with them. Uh, a lot of the so far, the attorneys that I've actually um, met with uh, at these conferences, I've I've already emailed maybe three or four times back to back already, and still. Uh, are waiting for you know to close those clients and things of that nature so it does take time uh one of the kind of incentives i give when i go to the conferences is one i have snacks at my table so that they're more compelled to stop by and pick up something and i can talk to them that way uh and then two i try to offer uh something free like a, a free you know case screen with a verbal opinion or the first five hours free or discount off the hourly rate, something that'll bring them in and attract them to it. And that's actually how I got one of the uh, attorneys to um, call me back and respond and send me records over to look at a case. I did a case screen for her with a free verbal opinion. Uh, she didn't have any idea what an illegal nurse consultant was and what they can do. So she was mm -hmm. very impressed after we spoke and I did the case for her. Mm-hmm. Now, do you offer that as a prize in a drawing, or is that for people who come by and hand you a card? How do you decide who gets the case screening? It's a prize. Uh, I do offer it. Uh, you can drop your card in the, um, I have a little bowl that I put in. You can put your card or some people. A lot of attorneys nowadays don't even carry their business cards anymore, so it's all electronic. So uh, I created a QR code so they can scan and put their information in that way, and I'll just randomly pick someone uh, from the business cards and then from the QR scan. So you'll have two winners. 
Okay. So when they are scanning a QR code, they are giving you their information. Yes, they give, like, it's just their company, the their name, their company, the type of specialty they do, and the best contact information for me mm. to reach out. Yes. And then it all gets uploaded into uh, a spreadsheet that I can access after the um, the conference. Gotcha. Okay. Well, if a legal nurse consultant were considering becoming an, an exhibitor at a conference, what would you recommend that they know about that particular conference? Yeah, sure. Uh, it goes back to your research. You got to uh, kind of know what your demographics are going to be, your clientele. Uh, for the criminal law, uh, a lot of public um, defenders and things of that nature was there. Uh, mass tours, personal injury attorneys um, and paralegals were there. We also had a lot of other firms. It's good to, um, for me per se, especially with the last one I just did, I looked up uh, the different type of law firms that was going to be also exhibiting with me as well so that I mm -hmm. knew some kind of background of their firms that I can walk up to them and, you know, start a conversation with them doing the little downtime, which isn't a lot of it because you there are a lot of people coming in and out of the stragglers constantly throughout the whole conference. Uh, but it, it helped me walk around the conference um, to meet people and to introduce myself to other um, firms that weren't just visiting the actual conference itself. Mm -hmm. um, so that aspect, and then I, a lot of times the people just get tripped up on the, the expenses of it. Those expenses add up. Uh, so the cost of it and... Um, you got to take into account that you have to have, like most of them have promotional giveaways. Um, I do pins and stress balls and things of that nature. So those those type of items add up so they can take away. But it has my logo and my contact information on it so they can always see it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, a lot of attorneys, um, like we said, even though they don't hire you on the spot, um, sometimes they do want information from you so that they can, so they are considering you for uh for working purposes. So I always bring um resume with me. I bring um a list of my services so they can see resume, business card. I have a little folder that I have, I keep things into uh and so they can see it. And I actually do a savings tool. So it doesn't give a complete list of my fees, but it gives them an overall synopsis of how much they can save by using me as opposed to using a, a physician to go through their record. So they can just compare and contrast and things too. All right. I like that approach. A savings tool. Pretty cool. Yeah. And like now that you've gotten your business started, you've gotten some cases, you've gotten some clients, what advice would you give somebody who is feeling a bit discouraged about getting work as a legal nurse consultant? You know, it's hard. It's not like anything we're used to as nurses. You know, the marketing component of it itself is the hardest part. A lot of those clients are the hardest part. But it takes time and commitment and a lot of follow-up to land those clients like we spoke it took me five months to land my first client and I was still doing marketing and other things and the others in between trying to land these clients uh, so try not to get discouraged uh, it's is, I know it's a lot easier said than done. Me personally, <laughs> there are times I'm just like, oh, you know what? I'll just go back to bedside full time um, and not have to deal with it because it's not, you know, I'm not saying 
the fruits of my labor, but it will take a year or two for you to see some kind of growth. Uh, even if you're not seeing physical client growth, you sh you'll be able to see your growth in yourself as a business person. Um, there are a lot of things that I did uh, when I first started my business uh, mistakes uh, that has taught me what not to do. Um, so the exhibit is a perfect example. Uh, I now know which exhibits are the more ideal for me and the other ones aren't and how to look for those. So uh, just try to stay the course, try to stay uh, encouraged uh, and do something that is going to help you in your personal or mental capacity. Uh, I just started meditating. Um, some people like to journal, exercise and walk and those type of things to get you out of your head to not think so much. Me personally, I can be a little bit of a control freak. The ICU part of me, you try to control as much as you can with as little, you know, if you can't control so much, you try to control as much as you can. So uh, getting out of that control, getting, getting out of your head to just unwind a little bit and come back and refresh it. I'm just laughing to think about how much in control we like to have. We, we love to be in control of our life. Yeah. And when things don't work out well, it it's a test of patience and maturity. I was telling you earlier, uh, I came into this house. We have a house in New Jersey and a house in Florida. And my printer is not cooperating with me. My monitors are black when they should be showing me images. The internet is unstable. So I'm recording this podcast on my phone. And it, it's like all those things, they should just behave. I want them to behave. They should not be having minds of their own. And, you know, eventually the printer will start working and I'll get the monitors to stay on. And the <laughs> internet will get straightened out and less unstable. But yeah. that's part of life and part of being in business is problem solving and figuring out what do you need to do to get clients? What do you need to do to keep them satisfied how should you price your services okay. all of those are challenges that faced you when you started your business yeah exactly and i'm still learning honestly like uh there's there's no way other way to put it like uh there's some things that i've done and i'm just like well that probably won't work for the future so i won't do that again so yeah it's just it's learning to take those mistakes and um create into learning opportunities uh mm -hmm. which is that's the mindset I'm going towards now. So, yeah. Somebody told me a long time ago, there was no such thing as failure. There were unexpected outcomes. Oh, that's a nice one. I like that call. Yeah. Yes. And you just said turning your mistakes into learning opportunities, which is the same side of that. Looking at it to say, what can I learn from this experience so that I don't have to do this again and grow from there? Yeah, exactly. The person who's listening to this podcast may want to know how they can reach you, Denisha, to collaborate with you or um, connect with you in some way. What would be the best way for that contact to take place? Uh, the best way is via email. So uh, check it constantly. Uh, my email is Denisha, D-O-N-I-S-H-A, at Thermit and Associates Nurse Consulting. All right, and let's spell out the last part. Okay, so we'll just put Danisha, D-O-N-I-S-H-A, at uh -huh. Thurman, so T as in Tom, H-U-R-M-A-N, Nurse Consulting, 
all one word, dot com. Okay, thurmannurseconsulting.com, T-H-U-R-M-A-N. Or and Denisha's first name is spelled D-N-I-S-H-A. Did I interrupt you? You were going to say something? Oh, um, probably that you can also check out my website too. Uh, it's the same, Thurman Nurse Consulting. Okay. okay. And her website is thurmannurseconsulting.com. Perfect. Thank you for spending your time with us this afternoon, Denisha, to talk about some of the experiences that you've had starting your business, going from a travel nurse perspective of 13 weeks at a time to building a business in Las Vegas. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And for you who's listening, be sure to go to our website for this podcast, which is podcast.legalnursebusiness.com. You'll have an opportunity there to request bundles of podcasts. We organize the most popular bundles of podcasts into different categories, and you can receive as many of those as you like. They are definitely worth your time for you to get the best of the best. <laughs> I, I will be coming up next with a new guest. Hang on with us for just a few more minutes, and you'll have an opportunity to find out who is our next podcast guest. Take care. Thanks for watching. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for legal nurse consultants on LegalNurseBusiness.com. Pat coaches legal nurse consultants so they make more money, get more clients, and avoid expensive mistakes. Check out her coaching program at LNCAcademy.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Join our community to get notified of each new episode and to receive the transcript of today's program. Complete the request form on podcast.legalnursebusiness.com. We appreciate you and your interest. <laughs>